Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. I hope the Giro has you keen to ride, despite the winter weather starting to take hold. Fortunately, the fun never stops on Zwift. It's super time efficient, safe and convenient. And it's just as social as your rides throughout the summer. The banter on the group rides, meetups and even in some of the races is a great way to connect with people from all over the globe. There's also loads of challenges to set yourself on the great courses, including riding up Alpe de Zwift, sprinting down the Champs Elysees, even riding inside a volcano, or exploring the Japan-inspired Makuri Island. Zwift is the app that makes indoor training fun. Visit Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial or just to find out more. Ride on, and here's Christoph and Macca. This is it. This is here. Welcome. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. No, welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast live all the way from Melbourne. And joining me for this 21 stages of pleasure, of Italian pleasure, is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Italian pleasure. I know. I'm, yeah, I'm coming up with exotic. <laughs> it is. It is fantastic to be here. Good to see you with the pink jacket on, mate. Pink I jacket. I'm not with the blue, the chick Lamino. <laughs> hey, I was a I was a try hard I'm, sprinter. I'm glad you made an effort. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd go with the blue. Uh, look, uh, this is, is a result of a poll on Twitter. Ninety-two percent of people voted I should wear pink. my pink jacket. Hey, it, I like it. Nice touch. Um, yeah, I'm excited. This we is, are. This is going to be great. It's. It feels. It feels a little bit weird. I mean, you know, the world is open back up. No more of that sort of COVID talk. But here we are at the first Grand Tour of the year. And the Giro, we all know, it's just a special race, isn't it? Absolutely. And then we know that this is the whole year is going to be fantastic because they're going to be coming very quick and fast, the mm. Tour de France after and then the Vuelta after and, of course, the World Championship in Wollongong, uh, the back end of the year. But for the next three weeks, we will be concentrating on, on Italy and we'll uh, be concentrating on our Aussies as well. This is something we really want to do this year. Uh, there's, a, there's a fair number of Aussies. There's nine riders. Nine, nine, Aussies. nine Aussies, yeah. And look, a little bit of bit of mix of everything, and of course, well, I think Caleb Ewan's got to be the big front runner because he look. We'll get more into that later. They need the win. Could, they need the wins. He could win the first stage. It's Absolutely. Yeah. But there's also uh, someone that we will say goodbye to the Grand Tours uh, uh, for is Richie Porte. Richie Porte yes. is. Uh, uh, this is going to be his last Grand Tour. Let's hear from Richie as he's about to embark in his last Grand Tour, his last Giro. To be honest, I'm just ready to get going. To be honest, we obviously coming early, so I've had a couple of days of sitting around going through the motions. But tomorrow we uh, kick off and. Just can't wait to get started. I mean, personally, I'd love to win a stage, and I suppose you know, I'm in good good shape, so it'd be nice to be up the pointy end by the end of the race. But at the same time, we've got one of the big favourites here, probably you know the strongest guy in the race, who's who's won it three years ago in Richard Carapaz. So you know, if I'm there um, around him in the final and and give him a hand, um, that's my my big role here. You know, maybe the results aren't there, um, the same as last year, but, uh, you know, like everybody, you sort of, you know, go to races, you get that chest infection and, and then you're out of Catalonia and then get healthy and then roll into the next race and get, you know, gastro in the last two days as well. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable the amount of illness that's been around the peloton, but, you know, I think my big goal, goal was always to be at this race in good shape and I've, I've uh, done that, so, yeah, that's all all I could do and I think all the team really asked of me. That was a Richie Porte and look who's coming. He just dropped out he of just the dropped ceiling, in. I think. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Simon Gerrans, so, welcome. Thank you, Macca. Good to be here. Yeah. Very excited for the first Grand Tour of the season. So, yeah, the Giro is upon us. 
It's good. So someone from the Coach Peloton sent us uh, some really lovely cheese. Anna, thank you very much. Some bread and some cheese. So that's very much welcome. But uh, you came with some good as well, I believe, for us. I did, mate. Yeah, I've come with some goods here. These ones come from Italy. So um, all the way. Hopefully your bread and cheese hasn't come from Italy. <laughs> no, yes. A, a little bit stale, but this is not fresh. So yeah, a little bit of uh, Giratea memorabilia. Nice. So one of the uh, podium. I'm not even sure what that is. And it's a wolf. It's a mascot. The mascot. <laughs> it's a wolf. The wolf back. The Lupo. <laughs> and a jersey. Again. Ooh. Because yeah. you wore the jersey. You. I did have the honour of wearing the the pink jersey for a day in 2015. How does that feel? It's a, it's a huge, it's a really special feeling. The Giro is a race that sort of evokes so much passion in the cycling fans uh, around Italy. So um, I'm honoured to wear the pink jersey. So it's one, yeah, I'll leave with you guys for the next three weeks. But you take it back at the end. But I want it back. <laughs> you know, the real test, though, the real test, Simon, is um, 2015. Okay, so what are we, six, seven years ago? Can you still, can you still get into it? <laughs> Is that a well, challenge? Well, for, well, fortunately, it's got to be a stretch. Let's, make him, let's, let's, let's keep him around for some cheese and bickies, and then we'll see if he can get the jersey on. There's one question I've got for uh, you as the, the, the ex-pro. Uh, what's cooler, the yellow jersey or the pink jersey? Be careful what you say, and I've got an answer on this one. But. Uh, yeah. What's cooler, the yellow or the pink? I think the yellow is probably more known than the pink jersey. But, um, yeah, they're both special. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing well, the one both. I've You've no. worn... If you haven't, you haven't won the leader in the Vuelta, have you? No, no, I haven't had the haven't had the lead in the Vuelta. But Why not? Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry to disappoint <laughs> you. No, but the lead in the in the tour for a couple of days and leading Giro for a day, so yeah, pretty lucky. Yeah, I think the the pink is actually cooler. But look at what, what I'm wearing. You know, you never know. <laughs> Richie, last Grand Tour for for Richie. You've had your last Grand Tour. Uh, how is he feeling today? He started his career in a Grand Tour, in the Giro. He's closing it at the Giro. What does that mean for someone like Richie? Well, I think it's it's really great that that Richie is sort of winding up his his career or Grand Tour career with the Giro d'Italia because it's where he made his first mark on the sport. It was at the Giro that he really launched to to stardom way back. I can't remember what year it was now. Racing with with Saxo Bank or um, or CSC, whatever mm-hmm. it was called at the time. Um, and actually, funnily enough, I was in Europe just last week and I caught up with Richie. No, you yeah. were in Europe just last night. Yeah, well, two nights ago. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I saw Richie last week and he's looking really sharp and he's motivated. He's, he's got a lot of confidence in, in Carapaz. So I think we're going to see some great performances out of Richie. Is, is the secret is the Vegemite you delivered to him? <laughs> well, hopefully, oh, yeah. I, hopefully he doesn't eat it all during, during the Giro because it's about two kilos of Vegemite I dropped off for him to see him through the Giro and the rest of the year. Yeah, that's a nice little touch. Uh he says in it, and I think this would, we've had this sort of little debate amongst ourselves, a bit of a, not a serious note, but top three, second or third, and we know he's working for Carapaz, but I'd just love to see him win a stage because he hasn't won a stage of a Grand Tour individually. I'd just love to see him nail a stage. Is that sort of what you'd like to see outside of, unless he did finish on the podium? Yeah, I don't think he'll finish on the podium. In all mm-hmm. honesty, I think he's there with the mindset of sacrificing himself and yeah. really... Uh, giving it 100% for Carapaz for a result there. But um, you never know, in the, particularly in the third week of the Giro, anything can happen. We've seen teammates sort of come to the finish line together in mountain stages particularly. So if he's on a fantastic day and he's able to get to the finish with a stage of Car- with Carapaz, yeah. I'd like to see him take the stage. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? And uh, I think he deserves it. He's yeah, absolutely. We do a nice, be a nice sending uh, out yeah. of a, a Grand Tour. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us. I guess you have a lot of prep to do. Matthew Keenan is waiting for you. He's got another two platters for you, uh, they, delivered by Anna for you. So uh, they're in the boardroom for you to... Uh, while you're using your highlighters and so on to, to get ready for tonight. Thanks, Christoph. Well, 
Needless to say, if we're doing this every day for three weeks, there's no way I'd still fit into this. Uh, it's an SBS budget. We don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got one final one. Uh, seeing as though we've got you here, have you? And I'm putting you on the spot. Tip for tonight. Oh. Uh, it's really hard to go past Vanderpool for tonight. I reckon. Um, looking at this finish, this little ramp up to the finish line, I can't see him being a full bunch because it's so technical running in. So placement is going to be really important. So I think we're going to see, obviously, all the GC guys. I don't think we're going to have any sprinters with, with legs to finish it off. So a guy like uh, Vanderpool. No, Caleb, on his best day? Uh, he'd have to. Obviously, he's got a strong team around him, so he's going to be able to place himself really well. But I think there's a couple of ramps in there towards the finish line that may be a bit too challenging for Caleb. So I expect Vanderpool, Valverde will be up there as well. Maybe an outsider like Ulysses could be good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good call. Good Interesting. Call. Good one. Have and a good call. Yeah, thank you. And then, uh, you know, we have a special message from, uh, from Richie to you, the fans in Australia. Thanks to everyone who's, who's supported me through my career. And, you know, I think the Aussies, we've said it before, are probably the most hardcore of the fans, you know, staying up until um, the wee hours of the morning. So, you know, the support you have and I've been lucky enough to come back and race tour down under and see the, the fans in Australia. So, um, you know, it's been an incredible journey and there's just so many people that have been a, a part of it and um, you know, hopefully I can give you something to cheer about in my last year. Yeah, that was a Richie Porter, very grateful from the support that uh, all of you, all of us have, mm. have given him over the years. It's true that uh, I know, and then we all know that you guys are ready. We are like we are looking pretty here, going, yeah, go, it's, it's good fun. We know that you guys are going to be up until 2 a.m. watching the race. Yeah, we will true. as well. Mm. Uh, but I know you guys are true diehard fans, and, uh, and a big shout out to to you, uh, the, the Catch Peloton. Right, joining us now is Gracie Elvin, all the way from uh, Canberra. Nice jersey at. Uh, on the back on the back wall, uh, Gracie, and this one is yours as well. Uh, Buonasera, guys. Nice to be back again and Buonasera. awesome to start the Grand Tours. But I'm going to be honest, that's actually not my national jersey. That's Kimberly Wells. So <laughs> I can't take credit for it. We've got a few in the house, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, you could have lied. We wouldn't have known. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good prop, though, so isn't the Giro, it? <laughs> the, the Giro, what, what does it mean for you as a, as a cycling fan? Uh, you've, done, you've done the women's version, uh, of course, uh, but what does it mean for you when you sort of embark as a fan watching the, the men going for the, for the three weeks of, of a grueling fun, shall we say? Good question. I think I like to see the Grand Tours as having their own personalities and they really match the personalities generally of the countries they come from and the Giro d'Italia is chaotic and the Italians are a little bit chaotic. Uh, the French are a little bit serious. The Tour is quite serious. No offence, Christophe. And the Vuelta is a little bit more relaxed, a bit more fun. So I'm really excited to watch the Giro because it's unpredictable. They have things jump into the stages that you're not expecting. When I used to race the Giro Rosa, the road book was almost useless because the stage profiles didn't really tell you what you needed to know. And I think the men's ones are probably very similar. And you could see in that video from Richie, he had like a, a novel next to him of his road book. So, you know, I think that they've got a lot to look forward to, even just looking through some of the stages today, I could just, you know, think about so many uh, options that are going to throw up things that we're just not going to expect and are going to deliver some really unpredictable race days. I quite yeah. often refer to the, uh, the, the Giro being the, the cool uncle. 
you yeah. know, like the the the, the Vuelta is a crazy crazy grandpa. Yeah, and then yeah. Well, the Tour de France is the parent. Is the, the parent? The, the yeah, sort the of serious parent. Exactly. And it's, and, then, and it's two children. <laughs> and it's like you know the, the Vuelta is like get out of bed for God's sake. <laughs> you know you're late once again. And then the Giro it's like where's the where are they gone? <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, the, the road book, Gracie, you're spot on. I imagine the teams have walked out of the permanence. You know where they collect all their all their goodies from the the start of the race. The road books straight in the bin <laughs> because it's that. And I mean, the one and only time I ever did it, and this is not a word of a lie. So this is 2000, all right? It's showing my age a little bit, 22 years ago. I'm not joking. A couple of the stages were out by 20 kilometres <laughs> on the road book. 20 kilometres. And you didn't know. It's 10%. You it's did 10%. not know until you were halfway through the stage. It's, so 10%. it's improved a bit, I'm 10%, sure. 10%, 10%. Okay, let's have a look at uh, what is ahead of us. And we said in the intro of this podcast that we will be looking at uh, the Australians, the Australian riders. There's nine of them uh, in the, the peloton this year. Uh, let's talk, first of all, about uh, Jai Hindley. Jai Hindley had a super run uh, two years ago. Where is he at, Maka? Good question. Look, I think his form has been building steadily. Um, I've got to say, I mean, I say this a lot about the Aussies, of course, I'm biased, but I'm a real fan of, of Jai's. I think he's just this, like a great country boy, you know, great country kid. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He doesn't sort of get ahead of himself. And you're right, two years ago, he had an incredible jitter to tell you. At one point, we thought, is it possible? Well, right till the end, we thought, can he win this yeah. race? Um, I think he's in great shape. He's switched teams. And no, I think he's in for a good three weeks. And he'll, he'll come with confidence because he's done it before here. But before we listen to, to this group, Talk to us about two years ago, this story with uh, Wilco Kelderman. He's now his teammate in a completely different team. But talk, talk to us about this story. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to be really brief, I guess, to me, it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. They, they, they were, you know, both, Wilco was sort of the outright leader, but Jai was riding, you know, a, a, above himself, really, or at the level, I guess, that he'd trained to be at. And at one point, he looked like he could have attacked um, the Ineos rider, Tay yeah. Gagenhardt, at the time. In the end, they both finished second and third. And it's better to have one guy winning and yeah. one sacrifice. But they were both really good. I don't think they made big errors. Um, but there was, there's been plenty of talk about that. Gracie, you've been, you know, you're recently retired still. We can still say that, I think, for at least one more year. But <laughs> you would have been in situations, absolutely, where you would have had two girls, two women, you know, both in great shape, both sort of suited to a race. And it's... Sometimes it's good, I think, to have a plan A and a plan B. What's your take? This is a the question that comes up a lot and it's something that I've talked about recently in terms of women's cycling because you see the SD Works team is has been one of the strongest teams in women's cycling, but they're often racing a dynamic plan. It doesn't look like they have a clear leader. And sometimes you can get away with that, but my personal opinion is it's better to have a strong plan A and then have a plan B, that's the backup, but not have two plans at the same time. I think it's to sit on the fence means that you're not going to do the one plan really well. And I think that that's a huge mistake a lot of teams make is they they don't put all of their effort into that one person. you sure you have to be adaptable, but at least you know that you did everything you can for that one rider in the team. According to Grand Tours, because they're so long, so much can happen. You definitely need a B, but I think you need to make sure that every effort first goes into plan A. Yeah, absolutely. Let's listen from Jay Inley and Wilco Kelderman on that exact subject. First of all, it's nice to be on the team again with Wilco. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd say I've always had a pretty good relationship with him and, uh, yeah, it's nice to be teammates again. And 
yeah, of course, we've talked a bit about what happened in 2020. And yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's in the past. Like, we can't really change it, you know? So, um, but yeah, looking forward, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to this year's race and uh, riding with him again and the rest of the guys that we have here. If we, Wilco, if you want to add something. No, I have, I have the same actually. Like, yeah, for sure we talked about it and it's all, it also happened. And if I see in, in Jai's place, like for him, it was also a big chance, you know, to win a stage and everything. You can see it also like that. But anyway, if it should happen this year again, yeah, then for sure we should do it different. For me, the optimal thing, yeah, we lost there the Giro. We were both on the podium, but I think we could have won it. And the other way, like Jai should attack earlier or something or, or wait for me or something like that. But I think it's important to look forward and um, that it doesn't happen anymore. And I think if something like this happened and we know yeah, Jai is also a super good rider and um, yeah, then we should choose just one option and go full for that. And, but yeah, that's cycling. It's also pretty hard to, yeah to change in the race and to feel and it's it's complicated so afterwards it's easy to talk but it's not not that simple in the end but anyway our relationship is good and we work well together and that's the most important i think now have you seen that smile on jay's inlay's face uh, gracie uh do you feel there's a, still a bit of a queerness about this story or is this is way behind and they're probably a bit sick of us journalists asking them about it? Christoph, I think they're pretty sick about talking about this, um, but it's part of your job as an athlete to have to answer those hard questions. And just going on from that conversation, it's really about management, good management of the team. It shouldn't be up to the riders to be the ones that have to decide out on the road what plan A or plan B is. And Christoph, I know that you love F1. It's similar to that. There's so much else going on. You could probably speak to some of the politics of the sport. So in, in terms of management, making the decisions, it's not just about who's going the best and what's fair. It, it can be to do with so many other things, contract negotiations, favourites, you know, it could be anything. So for me, I really hope that they have some good management in this tour and then they'll be able to pull off some really good results. Hey, Maka, what do you make of, of this? Because we know Jai came in, he had a, he had a fantastic year two years ago. Uh, is he, do you think, ready to repeat this or not? Are we expecting too much of Jai right now? Is, how is he going now? Uh, I think, look, to, to go off the back of what I said at the start, I think we can expect big something big from him because he has podiumed at a grand tour. From what I can see he's in good shape, as in he's in good shape physically and health-wise, and that's such an important thing. And we saw with that that the comments from Richie Porton, and Richie's you know at the end of his career, he's one of the most experienced pros now, and a G as a GC rider as well. So important you come in fresh, healthy, and just almost underdone. Yeah, Gracie in a Grand Tour, you got to be you got to be on form, but. I think if, you, if you're underdone, you've got room to improve. Whereas if you're right on your absolute limit, it means that your immune system's on its limit. A three-week race, gee, I, I think uh, if you've got room to improve, I think sometimes you're better off. Macker, I'll take your word for it. I never got to do to race three weeks. I ten, don't really ten know. Ten days yeah. was my <laughs> Yeah. But look, I think that's such a fine balancing act. Um, just... 
from a physiology point of view and because I've raced so much over the years, you know, like you have to be almost peaking and that's really hard to do. It's, um, it's an art and to come in a little bit underdone is really risky. So I think some people are better at it than others and that can be to, to do with their own physiology, but it can be to do with their experience as well. So some riders for sure will ride into this tour and some riders will ride themselves out of it. Leave us a, a comment or questions or, or if you have any, anything you want to, uh, us to address in this show, you can leave this in the box below or wherever you're watching us, uh, if it's on Twitter, on Facebook, or actually on, the, on YouTube. First time on YouTube, actually, this is great. Yes, uh, this is great. So leave, leave a comment and, uh, and we'll be more than happy to, uh, to address the question if, uh, if we can. Um, we talked about uh, so Jai and Kim uh, and Wilco that were in the team DSM and now are in Bora, but somebody else is in team DSM now and it's Roman Bardet. Yeah. Uh, let's listen from uh, Roman Bardet now uh, and and we'll discuss how he is going right now because he's won the Tour of the Alps. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the running up to the Giro has been has been good, and uh, as I said before, it was good for the for the confidence of the team to take the victory there with two guys on the the final podium, but. Uh, the Giro is, a, is another race, you know, so we start with the with high expectation as a team for sure, but it's also it's a completely new race. So we have to, yeah, we just have to try to make the most of it. And yeah, we will see because the Giro is one of the most unpredictable race and also one of the hardest ones. So I think, yeah, over the three weeks, see the legs will do the, the talking. The legs will do the talking, but they've already spoken on the tour of the Alps. They, really. Yeah, I'm with you. You're allowed to be a bit biased, but I'm totally biased. <laughs> I, I, no, I think he's in great form. The tour of the Alps, formerly Giro del Trentino, many years ago, uh, was always a key marker for the for the Italians pre uh, pre Giro as a tour to go to and, and sort of hone mm -hmm. in on their form. But they won it. He's in good shape. We know he's capable of going three weeks. He's played it down a little bit the last couple of years since he's moved to DSM, like it's not a a big goal for him. But surely, Gracie, we've got to we've got to give him a you know a four star rating at the minimum at the start of this race as a GC contender. For sure, Macca. He you know to win a tour. You know, Jai Henley's had a really good season so far, but he has not won a tour. So. It's a big uh, shot to the rest of the peloton if you actually win a tour leading into this grand tour. So for sure he's one of the favourites. But it's a bit of a, a pointing fingers game at this point when they're talking to the media and doing these interviews. They're trying to put the focus on someone else. And I've noticed that they've put the focus a lot on uh, Tom Dumoulin. So that's also an interesting character to talk about. But Maka, do you think that... You know, there's a few people that are underrated going into this tour or are the favourites really the favourites? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Tom Dumoulin. For me, I thought he's been a bit under the radar as a former winner. Yep. A guy who's won the race. Sure, he took that sort of that break from cycling and, you know, there was a point where maybe himself and certainly us as journalists and, and fans thought, this is it. He's not coming back. Mm -hmm. Surely, you've got to give him four stars as well. Yeah. Um, outside of that, oh, I think it's a, I think it's an open Giro. I think it really is an open Giro, and I think there's going to be a couple of smokies. I think uh, Barde will be here in three weeks' time. That's what, a question here, mark here, right here. Well, I'll see if I can pull a few strings, <laughs> uh, but I, I really think I really hope Bardet would be in pick because it would be uh, cool. he sort of deserves his. Like in France, we've been waiting for such a long time for a winner of the Tour de France, uh, but we haven't. We have overlooked as well. Like, we've been waiting for a long time for a winner of the Giro as well. Can I ask both of you a question? Yeah, and go this for is it. really on the spot, and I'm trying to think of it myself. Last French winner of the Giro. 
you know? Fignon? Fignon? Fignon, Fignon, in, Fignon in 89. Uh, even though, even though Moser and the helicopters and the little uh, yeah, pool well, in well that was before '89. <laughs> yeah. So he won it. I think he might have I been think the he last. Won it in '89. Yeah, yeah so, be so that's cool. Whatever it is, it's ages ago. Mm. Uh, so we've been craving in France for for a winner, and I think Bardet, uh, with the move from his French team to his non-French team based, uh, that would be absolutely fitting. Okay, let's talk about somebody else because you talked about uh, Tom Dumoulin as well, uh, 2017 and that Giro. But somebody was watching that tour in 2017 and it's Mathieu van der Poel and this is how he got super interested by the Giro let's listen to him yeah I've always been a big fan of Italy that's a starter and yeah 2017 was special as well with a with a Dutchman going for the overall victory so um yeah there was a lot of suspension as well and I think it was just cool to follow um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to race here and to see how uh, the body wrecks. That was Mathieu uh, Van der Poel. Question for you, Gracie. Uh, I think, uh, and uh, and we'll get all the comments you want, guys, uh, uh, watching uh, on, on the couch. Uh, tell us what you think about Mathieu Van der Poel, about his chances today and his chances as as the overall GC. How do you rate the chances today, uh, Gracie, for for Mathieu Van der Poel and for the overall GC? Because he, he says. He says that he wants to finish the Giro and he wants to finish the Tour de France. That's some pretty big goals, but we all know how capable he is. He's he's a super talent. He's clearly the favourite for stage one. I'm really excited for this stage because it's got a tough finish. It's not just a sprint stage to start off the Tour or, or a time trial. I really agree with Gero. It's got his name written all over it, but it's going to be chaotic. And I still am going to put a little bit of my fake Monopoly money on Caleb Ewan. I think that he, you know, he's such a mature rider now that he can get through a tough finish and deliver because that's what he is really, his career is about now is winning stage stage wins at Grand Tours. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm with you. I'm, I've, I've got a bit. I, actually, I won mon- family monopoly a couple of nights ago, so I'm, I'm cashed out. Gracie, he's loaded. So he's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, putting, I'm putting a chunk of it on Caleb. But I, yeah, look, Vanderpoel is a rock star. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's just, I mean, I love the way he speaks too. He, he comes across so humble and sort of low key, but on the bike, he is a rock star. And I think we all love although, watching him. Although in that press conference, which was funny, he was all lively at the beginning. He got bored five minutes in it. And, Did he? Uh, yeah, he got quite bored. In it. Well, that just tells me he's humble. He's, he's, he's like, pretty, yeah. you know, he's the questions were pretty and... simple and pretty simple answers. He got quite visibly bored in that press conference. <laughs> Didn't want to be there. Okay. <laughs> but not like somebody else. We'll talk in a minute. Ooh, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, actually, let's talk about uh, the man uh, that we want to talk about. Uh, Mark Cavendish. In the other people that could do something in this Giro, we've got Mark Cavendish. Uh, he's done something great at the Tour de France uh, last year. He's coming back to the Giro after nine years. He's not, he hasn't mm. been in the Italian roads for nine years. Let's listen to him and then we'll debate the role of Mark Cavendish straight after this. Yeah, it's nice. I'd see nine years ago was the last time I rode the Giro. I won the, the red points jersey. I won was it five stages, four stages. Yeah, it's always a, a race that I like to do in the past. Um, obviously, the dynamic might have changed in nine years, so it might not be the the, the race I remember. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, it's a race anyway. So it's a race anyway. Gracie, uh, what do you make of uh, Mark Cavendish on the later part of his career and, and how he's tackling those Grand Tours? I think he just is being unapologetically himself in this later part of his career, and he is just going about things how he wants to and not what he should be doing. And 
I, I applaud that. I think it's really great to be authentic. We need characters, whether they're villains or heroes in sport. I think that he can play both roles and we might get into that a little bit later, but I think that he will be successful in this Giro because I just don't think he's carrying around the weight of being a successful rider anymore. He's just doing it because he, he loves it and he's good at it. But but I will say a, a but, a small but, surely he wants that record. He wants to equal or beat the record of Merckx at the Tour. So he wants to win at the Giro and prove his place potentially at the Tour. That, that was the question I would yeah. want to ask you this is... Uh, is that Giro a rehearsal for the Tour de France? He wants to show Patrick Lefebvre that he's still worth it and he can be taken on the road to the front. Because there is a massive question on the Ducunic uh, Quickstep uh, team is the question of Alaphilippe. I've got by contract, I need to mention Alaphilippe every, every show. <laughs> That's not true. But, <laughs> but, Ala, but we know what happened to him recently, the accident. Yeah. We don't know if he will be in France. But if he's not in France, does that change the tactics for, for Ducunic in France? Therefore, does that open up the door or the gate or whatever? he can for someone like uh, Cavendish. And only, Gracie, I'll bring you in on this as well. I don't think so because they won't go to the tour with Jakobsen and Cavendish, will they? Surely. They won't go there with two big sprinters. They'll only take one. For sure. Quickstep is arguably the best lead-out team in the business and has been for a long time, and they don't want to ruin their dynamic by causing distraction or chaos within their team. I think that they'll just take one sprinter. Not sure if it'll be Cav yet, so I agree with Christoph and both of you. I think this is his shot at saying, take me. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Really there is also another side to Mr. Cavendish. He's, he's not the no, happiest guy. <laughs> yeah. He's not necessarily the most jovial guy around, shall we say? <laughs> not, the Christmas on, party must it. be fun. <laughs> put, yeah. put the audience out of their okay. misery. This is, this. This, is, this is during a press conference overnight. Uh, this is real time. I left the silences as well. You're, you're about five stage wins away from Mario Cipollini. Is that something... That's one of your ambitions or, or goals? Five stages in what? I, it's probably not a goal because I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I left the <laughs> silence. You know. uh, what oh do you my, make of this? Uh, no, no. All right, to be, I'm laughing at it, but to be really serious, <laughs> not cool. From, in my opinion... I don't know what you guys think, but Not in my cool opinion, he knew exactly what the journo was asking him about. The journo didn't reference the Giro, but it is a official Giro press conference. He's he, he's making reference to the fact of the great Mario Cipollini that he's five stages off the record of Cipollini, which is an honour. Which is an honour. So he's giving him credit as well, Gracie. I just it's just it's a side of Cav I don't like, and I just think be a bit more respectful to the journalists. And it wasn't a tough question. It was a it was a, it was it wasn't even a, a, a an awkward question for Cav. It was actually a nice question. What what's your take? Yeah, I'm a bit stuck on this one. I I think that journalism in sport needs to evolve a little bit. I think that it gets a little bit boring at times and a bit predictable about what they're asking the athletes. And maybe if they could bring a bit more interest or be a bit more athlete led in the interviews, we could get a lot more out of it. But on the other hand, Christoph, you could really talk th talk us through some of this from a journalist point of view. I think athletes still need to show some kind of compassion to the, the journalist or interviewer and have a bit of respect for the fans as well because at the end of the day, you're not just an athlete doing it for yourself. You're also 
benefiting from being on that team and being successful in your sport because of the fans. So it's just that um, push and pull, I guess, of how authentic do you need to be in the moment? How much is it up to the journalist to to ask questions and, and better questions, but how much do athletes owe the audience as well? Well, I, I think that uh, part of the sport is also entertainment and th seeing this sort of attitude is not entertaining and people tune in to watch cycling and tune in to watch someone like Cavendish to battle it on the road. But it, you, you mentioned it before, you want the persona as well. Uh, and, and this is not playing in his favor. I think this is not going to be a great legacy in that type of attitude. And also, you got to think that the journalist is only here to be the voice of the people and to relate what people want to read in the newspapers or hear on radio or see on TV. Uh, and they don't want to have uh, some comments like this. They want to hear him talking about reaching the Mario Cipollini. If it's, if it's a boring question for Mark Cavendish, well, I'm sorry, but part of his job is also to answer boring questions. I, I answer boring questions to everyone uh, you know, on a daily basis and also fun questions, but that's part of life. Well, yeah, and look, the, the key thing for me is uh, everything but you both are saying I agree with, but the key thing is he knew the question. Yeah, exactly. He knew what the question was. Just answer it. Just say, not at all. And, and say... That's a ridiculous question. Yeah. I don't even think about that. Fine. But, but explain why. But, explain why he's not thinking about but it. But answer what. Don't pretend you don't know what the guy's talking about. <laughs> exactly. And the, and the other side, I mean, it's funny though. It is funny. You've got to laugh, don't you? The other side is... Well, you're going to laugh until you asking the question. Oh, I'll, don't worry. I've already had, I've had a few moments with him. Look, and look, to Mark's credit, and I've told you this story, and Gracie, I'll tell you now, this is interesting. I, re I remember quite a few years ago at the tour, I tried to get a grab with him at the very end of the stage one day. It was on a mountaintop finish and he completely blanked me. He was on the bike and I threw the mic in and he completely ignored me. The next day he wins and I'm a bit grumpy. I'm a bit <laughs> grumpy because he completely blanked me. The next day he wins, so I'm in the mix zone. So he has to speak to me and I'm thinking, this is going to be interesting. He gets to me before I open my mouth. He jumps in and he says, listen, mate, I want to really apologize for yesterday. I blanked you, I passed you, I was tired. And he explained why. And I went, I walked away and went, wow, kudos. Yeah. So he's got this, it depends what day you get him on. <laughs> okay. I, won't, I won't try and interview him on mountain stages this year, I can assure you of that. So I get it. I mean, I'm forgetting less and less each year. I've, I haven't yeah. raced, but, and you know, Gracie, more than either of us, there's days when you finish a stage, you do not want to talk to anyone. And it doesn't matter how nice the journalist is to you. You've just, you know, your heart rate's at 200 beats. You just cross the line and then a microphone is thrown in your mouth. So I understand that, but it is their job as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's enough for Cavendish for today. Because <laughs> we've got three weeks. We got... I know. And, wait, we're bound to get more out of him for sure. We've got three weeks to come. Okay, let's go back to uh, the Australian, the Aussies uh, around. There's Mike Scottson. Is uh, he's, he's, he's really grew in the last few years part mm. of the, the group Amai FDJ uh, let's listen to him he explains what will be his role in relation to the train in relation to his sprint leader Arnaud Demar that's Miles Scottson it's uh, last time I did the Giro was in 2020 and we had really good memories here when Arnaud Demar won four stages so I'm like really happy to be back and also nice to start in Hungary. Yeah. My role is I'm kind of at the front of that train, like one kilometer to go. It's uh, sometimes a lot of responsibility because you're the one who have to start, start it, I guess. And if you make the wrong decision, it can be, yeah, quite frustrating. But, um, and with Arno, like you, like you say, um, I, 
for me, he's a sprinter that needs to sprint from the front. Um, we, for me, I, I know how I know he's now. I, I know he likes a good clean run. So we tried to pick a space of the road where we have some room, where we're not blo blocked or bumped with other riders. Um, and so I, I know how Arno likes the approach in those last kilometers where it's not two stop start and he can, um, then we just basically pilot him and try to get him in the front so he can sprint from the front with 200, 250 is a sprinter that can sprint for a long time as well. I mean, you've seen some stages where maybe he starts his sprint before other sprinters. So um, for a lead out, then for, for me, it's pretty clear though, you know, you have one objective to get Arno in the front in the last K and then the two guys behind me, Raman Sinkudam and Jakpo Garniri to take him as far as possible to the line, but so that he can be the, the sprinter to, to go first. Yeah. So that was uh, Miles Scotson explaining the role of a, uh, of a train, a road, the role of a lead and the role of, of a sprinter. Uh, uh, Gracie, do you have anything to add about what's just been explained and, and the role he plays in a team, which is a, a bit of a different type of sprinters? I think his explanation is really fascinating. And this is a really great thing to talk to the audience about in the, the lead out train. There's uh, a handful of guys in front of that main sprinter and they all have a different job and miles is arguably in one of the most important jobs and that's kind of in the middle of the train and i've seen what some of his lead outs i think that he's becoming one of the best lead out directors men in the peloton they as a team they almost paralyze the peloton sometimes because they're able to hold that super high power for quite a long time and control the pace and like you said it's good for their sprinter demar because it's not stop start he's able to just sit at a much higher power and still sprint from that which is incredible in itself so yeah i think that's really interesting to hear from miles about what his role in the team is because he's still got two more guys behind him before demar so it happens really quickly it's about timing timing it's really difficult and i would recommend if you ever are in a team go and try it out on the road just as a group of people without a bunch around you and realize how hard it is to time it right when it's just the five of you. <laughs> yeah. And he's um, just from that, that interview, Gracie, and you would have crossed paths, I guess, a little bit with Miles. He just seems like he's really matured. And as Christoph said, he's really grown. And that two years ago, that was the sort of um, point for me. I think it was at the Giro where DeMar won four stages. So he really is going to be crucial, isn't he? Massively. And as we've talked about, the Giro is chaotic. So you need someone to just be strong enough to hold the team in the front because it's a washing machine. And it's it's really hard to keep your train together and at the front. So to have the horsepower from someone like Miles Scotson is super important in that train. Absolutely. There's so much to, uh, to play on on this, uh, this Giro uh, over the next 21 stages, starting in, a, in Budapest. Uh, let's now focus very quickly uh, before we close this show about the, the stage tonight, yes. uh, Maka. Uh, let's have a look at the, the, the profile of this. Uh, it's fairly flat until a little kicker at the end. It is. Stage starts in, in Budapest, Visegrad, which is more or less an outer suburb, if you like, small village on, on the outskirts of Budapest. Funny opening stage, Gracie, 195 kilometres. So it's a long one where, you know, normally we see maybe a prologue or sort of a slightly shorter stage. 
And it's got a five-kilometre climb, 5.5, in fact, kilometre climb at the end. So a hilltop finish, a little hilltop, 4.2% average, but with some little kickers, as Gero said, 7, 8, 9%. As, this is a fairly tough opening. It really is, and we've kind of touched on it a few times already. It's going to be a relatively unpredictable finish for sure. Matthew Vanderpoel is the favourite. It suits him very well. But, you know, who is going to ride hard up that climb? What teams are going to take control? Is it going to be attacking or is a team going to set a really high pace? Gero touched on it. That's it's quite technical as well. And that's something that you don't see on the profile. You only see the up and down. You don't see all of the crazy corners and the tiny roads through the villages in Italy. Maca, that you would know quite well. It's a... bit scary riding through some of those towns too so you need a lot of skill and a lot of nerve as well well and and you know um we're in hungary yeah we don't know we don't know i have seen a couple of um yeah yeah we're not quite in italy just yet but we know exactly what you mean um but look the roads we don't know what the quality will be like up this um five kilometer climb i've seen a couple of um google earth shots so not very wide some sections so yeah this is better to go all in all, it's going to be a ripper opening stage. And what's amazing as well this year is that uh, you'll be able to follow the race from the kilometer zero to the last kilometer on SBS On Demand. The timing, hey, you got the timing here? I, I have 8.10. Eight, eight, so eight, we're ten. not that far away. 8.08 eight, eight, actually. 8.08 eight, oh, eight, apparently. Eight, SBS oh. just uh, tweeted 8.08 eight, eight, uh, on SBS On Demand. Two minutes, <laughs> well, two minutes on the GC, you're not, you're not winning. That's <laughs> true. 8.08 on demand and 10.50 on the main channel, SBS Absolutely. on the broadcast. So. And, and, and this year, really, SBS On Demand is your destination because you'll be able to follow again z- from kilometers zero to the end on on the zero and this is fantastic i think this is fantastic addition to what we do get your clothes of cheese i know your favorite bottle of red maybe a sangiovese that was my that's my favorite italian red yeah sit back no you're not drinking you said you're not well i'm not drinking i'm telling you the viewers (laughs) gracie if you are going to go do it i'm 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 going dry zero gracie do you want to join me (laughs) no wow that's big i'm sure why not That was there was almost a silence like Mark Cavendish. Then. <laughs> she did a Cavendish. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking. Hang on. Uh, one last comment before we go. Uh, thank you, uh, Stuart. That says he uh, he loves the lineup, the new lineup of the SBS presenting team. A great combination of new and old ends. Uh, this is nice to have a good comments like this, uh, and we hope uh, to we will uh, we will be able to. You know, meet your expectation, and I'm sure we'll have fun along the way. Thank you, Gracie, uh, for joining us today, and uh, you'll be with us uh, on many of the other podcasts of all, all across those next three weeks. Yeah, grazie mille. I'm excited for this tour to kick off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank Cheerio. you, Michael. Thank you, Gracie. Thank you, Christoph. And I'm looking forward to Kino, Bridie, and Gero. Absolutely. Later on. See you then. Now that we're done talking cycling, for today at least, let's do a little riding ourselves because the fun never stops on Zwift. Training solo at home, I admit, it gets old real quick. But with Zwift group rides, events and races, you'll have plenty of people to ride with and chat with to keep you motivated. 
Plus has got great built-in training programs tailored for every ability. There are even workouts that can be squeezed into 20 minutes if you're really stuck for time. On Zwift, traffic lights, stop signs, busy roads, bad weather, they all disappear. And each interval has the watts and rest periods dialed in for the perfect training conditions. To start riding and discovering how Zwift makes indoor training fun, head to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for watching or listening whilst you're riding on Zwift.